TII Item 218, March 28, 2012. 4G is just a fantasy. Welcome to Today in iPhone. Yeah, I like it a lot. Today in iPhone. Hey, Gullet! Oh, yeah. My beautiful iPhone, which I never have out of my hand and that I do everything with and has become an extension of whom I am. Today's episode is brought to you by Hover. Please visit tii.hover.com. That's tii.hover.com to get 10% off your domain name registrations. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Rob, and this is a Today in iOS podcast. First up, I want to thank Trey for sending in the music you hear in the background. Trey wrote, Hi, Rob. I just made a song with GarageBand on my iPod Touch, and I wanted you to hear it. Regards, Trey. Well, thanks, Trey, for the music. And folks, I'll try to remember to put the full song at the end of the episode. I also want to thank Jesse for sending in the artwork for today's show. Jesse wrote, Hi, Rob. This picture was taken on my iPhone 4S, edited with snap speed and Instagram and A-plus signature. Regards, Jesse D. Well, Jesse, thanks again for sending in this artwork. Folks, you can see Jesse's artwork in the TI app in the extras for episode 218, or if you subscribe via iTunes as the album artwork, and also as a standalone post in the VIP section, and I'll try to get it up on Google Plus and Facebook as well. If you have some artwork and or music you've created on your iOS device and would like to share it with the audience, please email it to me at todayinios at gmail.com and make sure to include which app or apps you use to create said artwork and or music. In this segment of How Wrong Were They, we have the following quote. Quote, Hello, Windows 8. This is iPad. You win. Unquote. Paul Therott, 14th of September, 2011. To say Paul has been in this segment before, that's an understatement. Sometimes I think this segment was really created just for him. It's amazing how one person can corner the market on cluelessness. But Paul has managed to do just that. Congrats, Paul. Job well done. Just saying. For promo codes on episode 217, we offered up a chance to win promo codes for the app KankoJet. I will give those out shortly, so if you want more info on this app, Go back and listen to the beginning of episode 217 for additional details. As always, if you are an app developer, email me if you want your app featured in the promo giveaway segment. There is never a charge for you, the dev. We just need the five promo codes or more to give away. Simply email me at todayinios at gmail.com. And please also include a 60-second or less audio review of your app indicating you are the dev. Hey, Rob, this is Bob from Florida. I need to find out if there's any application that we can use to put a pin on the map for the, all my contacts, so I can see all my contacts in the map. Let me know if you know anything about it. Thank you. Thanks for the voicemail question. Per your question about putting in pins in the map for your contacts, the map that comes with your iOS device will only allow you to put in the pin for one contact at a time. So if you go into contacts and they have an address and you tap on the address, it'll drop a pin for that person. Go back to your contacts and find another person and tap on their address. It'll be their pin that gets dropped, but the other one will go away. So you can't have multiple pins on your map, at least the stock map that comes with it, the stock map app. So if anyone out there knows of another app that allows you to have all your pins put in for all your contacts, where it takes all your contacts and drops pins for anyone that you have an address for, please let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206 Moondog. Or email us at todayinios at gmail.com. Let's get into the news. As it seems with all new Apple products, the media seems to take delight in trying to make a big deal out of non-issues. This time around, in addition to the heat story, there is also a report about a bug with the charging of the iPad that is getting definitely overreported. It is that when you are charging up the new iPad, that once the indicator gets to 100%, Apple turns up the knob to 111%, kind of, sort of, and allows an additional charging for about another hour or so. Seems when the iPad gets to 100%, it's really closer to about 90% charged. So to get the best charge, wait at least one hour after getting to 100% and keep it charging for another hour. Obviously, this is a bug in the reporting of the charge amount, but others are blowing this way out of proportion. Again, my recommendation, just let it charge for a little bit longer. Thanks to Tash for this next one, which really kind of follows up on the new iPad 100% charge being less than 
and that is a couple of posts out there said that charging your iPad past 100% could damage it, like overfilling a cup. Hmm, what is the word I'm looking for? Oh yeah, id e ots. Not Tash, I'm talking about the people that had these posts that were saying you can overcharge it. It is a software glitch in the charge mount. It is not damaging your iPad to get to 111% or whatever it works out to because it really is just 100%. And you do eventually get to the point where it starts to trickle charge, which means you are really at 100% when it starts trickle charging. This is a lithium ion battery. It's not an old NICAD battery that's in your kid's electrical go-kart that if you leave it in charge for over 12 hours or so, it could explode and burn down the house. No, this is lithium ion. It works a different way. Anyway, you should fully expect in iOS 5.1.1 for the new iPad for this issue to be addressed. In the meantime, keep charging your the iOS, your new iPad, I should say, for about another hour after it hits the 100% mark if you really want to know that it's at 100%. One other item that is being brandied about is that the new iPad takes longer to charge than the old one. Hmm, let's see. Duh, let's see. It packs 70% more battery than the iPad 2. And if you carry the one, take cosine, tangent inverse of that, it works out to, oh yeah, 70% longer for it to charge. Who would have thunk? Oh yeah, right. Anyone that realized the battery was 70% larger and was not looking for link bait. Yeah, they would have figured it out. Here is what Apple VP Michael Tacho says on the whole battery matter to all things D. Quote, so here's how things work. Apple does, in fact, display the iPad and iPhone and iPod Touch as 100% charge just before a device reaches a completely charged state. At that point, it will continue charging to 100%, then discharge a bit, and then charge back up to 100%, repeating that process until the device is unplugged. That circuitry is designed so you can keep your device plugged in as long as you would like it. It's a great feature. That has always been an iOS. Unquote. Okay, now I'm still not sure why it would take one hour after it hits 100% for it to start the trickle charge process. I still think it sounds like a bug and will be addressed in the future. But the important takeaway, other than the fact that the guy at Apple didn't quite tell 100% truth, is you can keep charging it once it gets to 100%, and it will not damage your iOS device like some other people out there were trying to say it would. Another complaint about the new iPad is the Wi-Fi reception is not as strong as the older iPads. I can only compare the first and third gen personally, and I could not see any difference from inside or outside the house. They stayed within one bar of each other, so sometimes the new one had more bars, sometimes the first gen had more bars. Per the tech, new iPad is using 802.11a, b, g, and n, and so was the first gen iPad and the second gen. So tech-wise, uh, spec-wise, tech-wise, they look identical. And at least minimal testing that I did around the house with just the first and the third gen looked like they were holding the same amount of bars for the most part. As I stated on the last show, the whole heat issue with the new iPad was, well, total BS. And tests are now showing that to be the case. Essentially, the new iPad runs at about the same temperature of a similar clipped Android tablet running a dual-core CPU. Plus, given the iPad's brighter, more dense screen and bigger battery, as I said before, no duh, of course it's running a little warmer than the iPad 2. Per getting hot, running Netflix for three plus hours straight, watching four episodes in a row from season three of Lost, and I could not feel any real warmth to it. I will say, however, the video looked great. No, I was not charging it up while using it. No, I was not charging it up while using it which will make it run a little warmer as the battery is trying to recharge as you use it. But that was the case with the original iPad too. So those looking to make noise about the quote heat issue unquote are just link bait bottom feeders. Speaking of which, The Verge, formerly known as This Is My Next, which longtime listeners know how much I love that link baiting make crap up type site, 
Well, anyway, seems The Verge picks up where this is my next left off with a wonderful post. And by wonderful, I am being 100% sarcastic or 111%, depending on which scale you're on. Anyway, they had a link bait post titled, quote, Test show new iPad runs up to 18% hotter than iPad 2, unquote. For all of those of you that took science in, oh, say, eighth grade, maybe you remember how temperature works, because those at the verge clearly don't or didn't. How did they get the 18% increase, you ask? Well, by taking the thermal image of the screen of the new iPad and the iPad 2, and they were 33.6 degrees Celsius and 28.3 degrees Celsius, respectively, and then they took the percentage difference of those numbers, and that is how they got the 18% difference. Except that is horse pocky, the world is flat type science. If you want to do a percent increase in temperature, you need to take it in Kelvin, not Celsius or Fahrenheit. Duh. Anyway, doing it correctly would be less than a 2% increase. Yeah, a post saying that less than 2% increase in the title would not be much of a link bait, would it? Thanks, Verge, for keeping up the good work. And oh, look, looks like they changed the title because other people that took 8th grade science called them out. Ha! Sticking with the iPad theme, there was a post on CNET that compared the new iPad to the iPad 2 and some speed tests. Long the short, essentially they are about the same speed. The only significant difference was in boot time, and the new iPad booted in 27 seconds versus just 14 for the iPad 2. I need to take my iPad first and third gen and do some speed test comparisons. Again, if you are looking to upgrade from the iPad 2 to the third gen iPad, it's best not because of speed performance improvements that you are looking for. Wow, that was an awfully awkward sentence. In other words, speed performance you so desire, new iPad disappointed you would be. Unless you have a first-gen iPad, and then you would likely see a nice improvement in speed. How nice is for a future episode. Tests on the new iPad Verizon LTE version show that if you optimize it for just being a mobile hotspot, i.e. turn off the screen and location services and other battery draining items, you can get over 24 hours of continuous use as a mobile hotspot. That's five times what the Verizon MiFi offers. And if you are video streaming, it is about 24 times your data cap for the month. That means in one day while on network, if you wanted you could rack up well over $1,000 in data charges at $10 a gigabyte. But hey, if you needed it and money was meaningless, you could have a mobile LTE to Wi-Fi hotspot that could stream out an entire season of 24 via Hulu Plus to your laptop. You know something? I just thought about this. I can see now why Apple doesn't mind these high data charges that people are char the carriers are charging. It's actually cheaper to buy a season of 24 from iTunes and sync it up with your device before you go roaming about and have it there all installed on your device than it is to stream it via 3G. It's actually cheaper to buy it and download it via Wi-Fi than it is to stream it due to the, just the data charges. Wow, that's kind of interesting. CNET did some download testing on the cellular side for the new iPad in a few different countries. In the UK, they recorded a download speed of just 0.64 megabits per second. So that's 640 kilobits per second. In Singapore, they came in with a little bit more respectable 3G speed of 3.11 megabits per second. In Australia, using dual carrier HSPA, they got 16.08 megabits per second. No, that's not LTE 4G, but many say anything over 10 megabits per second or 14.4 megabits per second is considered 4G speed. It's a judgment call. Anyway, 16 is faster than 14.4, and in the US, CNET was able to get 28.47 megabits per second, and that would be over LTE. Okay, on what is considered 4G before you write in, yes, I know, technical definition is that 4G speeds need to be at least 100 megabits per second in a high-speed environment, i.e. car or train, and 1 gigabit per second 
in a basically stationary or pedestrian setting. Under that definition, no one has 4G. 4G is really just a marketing term at this point from what is out there and not a, well, tech term. That said, the marketers generally consider 10 megabits per second to 14 megabits per second and greater for download speed to be 4G, or in the case of AT&T, 7 megabits per second to be uh, download speed or greater to be 4G. In any case, you are chewing through your data plan pretty darn quick, whatever that download speed is, if it's 7 megabits per second or greater. Continuing on with the iPad theme and 4G, now in the land down under, the ACCC, which is the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, is accusing Apple of misleading Australian consumers by selling a product called the iPad with Wi-Fi and 4G when they claim it cannot connect with any 4G network in Australia. Again, what is the definition of 4G? In this case, they seem to be saying the LTE network of Telstra is 4G. But is it really that the iPad does not work with Telstra's LTE? Or that Telstra's LTE does not work with the iPad? Okay, either way, it is a moot point. Because Telstra's LTE, quote, 4G, unquote, network, really is not a 4G network either. Well, according to Telstra, quote, customers using a 4G mobile broadband device in 4G coverage areas can enjoy typical download speeds ranging from 2 megabits per second up to 40 megabits per second, unquote. Seems to me that the DCHSPA, the dual carry HSPA test run in Australia on the new iPad where it was getting 16 megabits per second is, well, between 2 and 40 megabits per second. Doing a little research, you find that real-world tests of Telstra LTE run between 10 megabits and 20 megabits per second for the download, with a few above and below those numbers. If the ACCC wants to go after someone, they should go after the carriers in Australia for offering up quote 4G unquote service, when in reality 40 megabits per second is a far cry from 1 gigabit per second that the ITU has designated for true 4G service for stationary tests. Just because a device works on LTE does not make it really a 4G device. It does, however, make it work really fast. That said, I am sure I will still call LTE a 4G tech because I have been conditioned by the carrier's marketing departments to do so. And well, so have you. But saying DCHSPA is 4G is basically just as accurate, or really inaccurate, as calling LTE 4G. Will be interesting to see what Apple says, but I doubt it is what I said above, which is the equivalent to LTE Emperor has no clothes. Alright, we've got an update here. And this is, well, yup, Apple is now offering refunds in Australia to anyone thinking they were getting a 4G device, rather than Apple admitting there is no 4G devices, and it's all just marketing hype. Brilliant! So in a nutshell, Apple and the carriers out there want everyone to think LTE is truly 4G. Just like WiMAX is truly 4G. Well, that's what Sprint wanted you to believe. Reality is, nobody's offering a true 4G network. They're all 3G networks, the 3G Plus networks, at least by the ITU's definition of 4G. So I guess the ACCC's position is that Apple's marketing representation of the new iPad is more fake 4G than the fake 4G that's really out there. And Apple's response is rather than fight this and make the public aware that nobody has 4G and that the whole 4G thing is just pure marketing BS, is they're going to give you refunds. Again, brilliant! LTE. Ah, you should be. It's Verizon's fastest, most reliable 4G network. With 4G LTE, you'll get speeds up to 10 times faster than 3G. So, what does that mean? Well, let's say you've got the new HTC Thunderbolt, or even the LG Vortex. You can hook up your HTC or your LG to your 4G LTE, and you'll have Verizon's 4G LTE in over 190 cities and 118 airports. So it's faster? Well, let's say you've got the new Droid Razor by Motorola. 
or the HTC ReSound, or even the Samsung Galaxy Nexus, you're talking 4G LTE on almost our entire 3G footprint. One song, four seconds. The song is four seconds? One movie, one hour. Download? A 10 megabyte PowerPoint presentation, 15 seconds. I really don't know what that means. Are you a small business owner? No, I live off a settlement. You're a Native American. Not on a settlement, <laughs> off a settlement. I'm going city bus. Got it. Well, let's say you were starting a small business and you want to run the entire business from your smartphone. Oh, I wouldn't want to do that. Like your Droid Razor, your HTC ReSound, or even your Samsung Galaxy Nexus. That sounds terrible. Here's your 3G network. What? Put it this way. If you want 4G LTE, then you have to buy a Droid Bionic, or a Samsung Stratus, or a Pantech Breakout, or a Compact Mini Netbook, or the Droid Cyborg tablet. And what if I drop it in the toilet? It breaks immediately. Thanks. Verizon. It's an old person's nightmare. And that skit, of course, comes from Saturday Night Live, and that's a skit they did about a month and a half ago. I've been waiting to use that for the perfect time, and I think this is the perfect time. I want to take a minute now to thank our sponsor, and that is Hover. If you go to tii.hover.com, that's tii.hover.com, you can get 10% off your domain name registrations and transfers. And today I'm going to talk about email. Hover offers up custom emails, which if you are trying to look professional, you at your own domain.com looks much more impressive than your name at 85 at gmail.com. And now you can get 25% off your first year registration of email with Hover by using the promo code TIIMAIL. That's one word, T-I-I-M-A-I-L. TIIMAIL will save you 25% off your email with Hover. They have great tutorials on how to set up your custom email for your iOS device, as well as many other tutorials on setting up email for other platforms and software. Hover's email offering is everything you would be looking for, POP and IMAP, webmail, two gig of storage, email forwarding, and of course, customer support. Yes, with Hover, you get great customer support. And if you already have your own domain with Hover, with 25% discount, it is just $15 for your email. And you can do the entire registration and set up from your iPad. So if you are one of those that now use your iPad as your main computer, all can be set up from said iPad. Now is a great time to get your own custom email address. Again, nothing says professional like your own custom email and through the end of April, you can get 25% off that email by using the promo code TIIMAIL. Just go to TII.hover.com. Again, TII.hover.com. Thanks, as always, Hover, for sponsoring this show. Hey, Rob, it's Kevin Crossman. Uh, I liked your feedback about whether you should upgrade the, to an iPad third generation or not. Uh, the one thing I would say is as an original iPad owner, I felt like my original iPad got a lot slower after iOS 5, and I totally am loving the third generation. It seems so much faster, even irrespective of the screen uh, improvements and camera availability. So if you're an original iPad owner, I definitely would recommend upgrading if you use your iPad frequently and uh, like to get a speedier performance. Later. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. I had second thoughts about my new iPad not having the 3G option. I hear that Apple would trade back iPads for other models, so I called them, told them what I wanted, and also told them my iPad was engraved. I was surprised when they said they would not. this would not be a problem. So I went down to the Apple Store and exchanged my iPad for the 3G option, told them again about the engraving, and again they said no problem. They would just grind it off. I paid the difference and now have the top of the line iPad with 3G or 4G. You have two weeks to do this, so Friday will be the cutoff day for customers that got their iPads on the first day out. Keep up the good work. Regards, Jim in Lakewood, Colorado. Jim, thanks for the heads up on that. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Have you seen this issue before? where a game is not working because the images are too large for the screen. On the iPad 3, I'm wondering if you know of a fix for this. These two games are Bagatelle and Orbs, but maybe others I don't know. Karen near Seattle. Hi, Karen. Seems the iPad did not scale the graphics correctly, to say the least. And it is likely an issue with the apps. I have not seen that on any of the apps I've played with on the 3G or third gen iPad. 
And so far, yours is the only report I have received on this where the graphics just blew up way out of proportion. But if others have seen graphics go crazy and expand well off the screen for the third generation iPad, please let us know what apps that you saw that with. Back into the email bag. Hi Rob. Today's March 23rd. The two Apple stores around Milan started selling the new iPad at 8 a.m. However, the various resellers in town mostly started at midnight. I went to a reseller about five minutes away from my house, got there around 12.30 a.m. While the place was not deserted, it was not packed either. Took about five minutes until they got to me, got the white 64 4G iPad, new iPad. The price here is 800 euros, but being a non-EU citizen, I get a 75% of the tax back. That amount is 100 euros, so it's actually a 700 euro device for me, which is about 935 US dollars. And it's obviously higher than the US price, but not a deal breaker. By the way, just to inform you and the listeners on what fair pricing is for data, what it looks like, in Italy, it's five euros a month will get you three gigs of data. In Israel, my home country, 10 euros a month will get you five gigs of data. That's about $13 US a month. Nowhere near what you guys are paying. One last thing, while the shopping experience in the Apple stores here is always great, the shopping experience this time around was superb. The personal touch is an added value, especially when the transaction is a bit more complicated than usual, all the tax refund forms, etc. Best, Ariel. One last email here on the iPad. Hi, Rob. Just wanted to let you know about my experience of buying the new iPad arriving at the store 30 minutes to midnight and walking away with my new iPad one hour later. I got the 32 gig 4G, or should I say 3G version. There were about 50 to 60 people in line, and I think there was enough units for everyone in line. They did not have the 64 gig versions, only the 16 versions of the Wi-Fi only, and then the 32 gig for the 4G or 3G. Now I'm waiting for the iOS 5.1 jailbreak before swapping out my trusty iPad 2 for the new iPad as my main unit. P.S. As for the reports of Wi-Fi problems, the signal strength meter on the new iPad does look like it's fluctuating more when comparing it with my iPad 2 and my iPhone 4S running iOS 5.0.1. At the same distance from my router, that is. It goes from full strength to dropping one bar when the other units keep showing full strength, so something seems to be different. Regards, Johan in Europe. Well, Johan, thanks for the feedback. I wonder if the Wi-Fi difference is more between iOS 5.0.1 and 5.1. Need to look into that a little more. Okay, with the next iPhone, the sixth iPhone, not the iPhone 5, which is most likely just going to be called the iPhone, well, there are many rumors out there already. But for clarity's sake, let's just call the the iPhone 2012. And in the past 10 days or so, there are three basic rumors about the iPhone 2012, none of which really have even a hint of credence, but popular link bait nonetheless, and they are one, the screen stays the same, but the dock connector and everything else changes. Two, the screen grows to four inches and the dock connector stays as, as is. And three, the screen balloons to 4.6 inches and the dock connector stays the same. All would be LTE versions. Where do I fall in my thoughts on this? Well, somewhere between one and two. I think the next screen is likely to be four inches in size. This is because of the larger footprint that will be needed for more battery for the LTE and faster processor requirements. Apple showed with the new iPad, battery density has not changed. So Apple needs to get more battery into the iPhone 2012, and that means a larger footprint, and with it, a larger screen. They could go to about four inches and keep the resolution at the same length and width, dropping the DPI resolution, but still keeping it a, quote, retina display, unquote. It doesn't seem that they'll be able to do that at 4.6 inches, and 4.6 inches is so much bigger than the current size a size they are still selling more of than any other individual smartphone. I don't see them wanting to risk that with a huge big jump um, from 3.5 to 4.6 just seems too drastic. So whether it is 3.9 inches or four inches, that is about the biggest I would guess they would go. And again, 
I see it more as a need for battery power forcing them to change than anything else. Per changing the dock connector? Mm, no, sorry, Renee, but I don't see that making any sense at all at this point. Thanks goes to Elsie from Elsie's Yoga Kula podcast for the heads up on this next one, which is a story about Apple starting to reject apps that access the iOS device's UDIDs. This is not all that surprising since six months ago, Apple gave devs a warning not to do that. This stemming from privacy issues, some of which they were called up in front of Congress on. But now Apple is actually starting to reject apps that try to do this. Essentially, those using the UDIDs are the ad networks to track ad click-throughs for unique end users from app to app on their network. So essentially, if you click on ads for, say, leather leader hosen in one app, when you open another app, they will know to serve you either more ads for leather hosen or ads for Wiener Schnitzel or David Hasselhoff's latest album. This blocking of the UDIDs, the ad networks claim, makes it tougher for them to customize the ads they deliver to you. If they don't know who you are, how can they deliver the right ads? Apple's claim, and it is one pushed on them from Congress, is that knowing who people are, or at least patterns people are using via specific UDID would exhibit, could be a major privacy issue. What Apple and Congress are afraid of is an example where, say, you pick up your iPad that you share with your significant other, and you start to see ads for Lederhosen, Wiener Schnitzel, and David Hasselhoff albums. And all along, you thought your significant other was French. But now you put the pieces together and you realize they were living a double life and are actually German. Well, you could see how this could be a terrible thing. And now time for a product review. Thanks to the folks at iMango for sending over the iMango XP Ultra Portable Speakers and Case for the iPad. This retails for $120, but you can get it at Amazon for $96.88. Last time I checked, link in the show notes. On the pluses side... The internal battery lasts a long time. Can't tell you how long, as it's still going on the initial charge six days ago. Well, from six days ago. My kids are loving the sound and opening it up. It's a case that folds over. Great for those that are passing down an old iPad to the kids for mostly media consumption. It works and fits with the iPad, iPad 2, and the iPad 3. It is both the case and the speaker's. How this works is that there is a shell that the iPad 2 or iPad 3 goes into for the back of, that goes on the back. And then that drops into the case, or for the original iPad, you just drop it in directly into the case without the back shell. Then the speakers are like two doors that fold up over the front of the iPad and work as a case when not in use. It has a nice lock to keep it from opening when traveling. Also, it has magnets to put it to sleep and waking it up for the iPad 2 and iPad 3, not the original one. Uh, another plus, it is very loud. But that sound is not distorted, so it's a good loud. And really, that is why you're getting this. You want a loud, portable speaker. Another of the pluses that is, well, it's a little thing, but one I loved, on the battery charger, they actually had a sticker that says iMango. Sure, it's a little thing, but if you have tons of battery chargers around, that is something that's often overlooked and I like. It also comes with a stand, which on its own is a really nice stand. It folds up and is perfect for you if you travel. So if you are buying this for your kids for the old iPad, you could steal the stand and use that for your iPad when you're traveling. Uh, one other nice plus, there are two headphone jacks in this. So for two people on a plane that want to watch a movie together, you can both plug your headphones in through the speakers and listen to the movie. So that, I like that one. That's a, that's a nice addition. On the minuses side, for the on indicator LED, it is the brightest LED ever. If you put a lens on the LED, you could use it to laser etch the iPad case. It is that bright. I had to take a black Sharpie to cover up the LED to make it less bright. Uh, black electrical tape might also work, but use a Sharpie on it too, just in case the tape falls off. The case is bulky when folded back behind the iPad when not using the speakers, and that makes it tough to use when holding with two hands and typing with thumbs. And it is heavy, more than double the weight. My iPad first gen in the case weighed 
came in total combined weight of three pounds, five ounces. That weight, I imagine, has a lot to do with the plus of having its own batteries that last a long time. Overall, my kids love it. And to me, that is good enough to recommend it, this for anyone who is using their iPad mainly for a media consumption device, especially if you have kids. Again, it is called the iMainGo XP Ultra Portable Stereo Speaker and Protective Case for iPad. Yeah, nothing like a short little name there. And there is a link to it in the show notes for episode 218 over at todayinios.com. Hi, Rob. It's Tash. Um, this is quite hard to explain, but I'll try. Okay, right now, when you make albums on your phone, I found that you can't put them back onto your PC. So in other words, when you sync your phone with your PC, you still have to resort all those photos and put them into your albums on the PC. This is a Windows PC. Um, there is actually a jailbreak app which enables you to put photos into albums and then when you sync, you can transfer those albums onto the PC. But what I was wondering if iPhoto actually enables you to do that without all of that hassle or is it simply just the same as, pretty much the same system as what we've got now where those albums are only shown on the iPad slash iPhone but not on the PC when you sync it. And I can't try it because my phone is jailbroken, so <laughs> you need to have 5.1 to, to have iPhoto. All right, thanks very much. Hi, Tesh. Thanks for the question. I'm going to throw that one out to the Windows PC side of the audience. If anyone has an answer for Tesh, please let us know. 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Or send an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Into the email bag we go. Hi, Rob. Last week, you talked about Best Buy having a one-day sale in iTunes gift cards at 20% off. Today, March 25th, there's a coupon in the Target circular for 15% off iTunes cards. If you use a Target Visa or Target Red Card, you get an additional 5% off your transaction. Just a heads up in case someone missed the Best Buy deal. Regards, David M. Hey, David. Thanks for the heads up on that. And folks, remember, iTunes gift cards are used in the iTunes store. That's for apps and music and movies and TV shows. You cannot use iTunes gift cards to buy, say, an iPad or any other uh, iOS device. So it's only for use for purchasing items in the iTunes store. Not the hardware store, not the Apple store, but the iTunes store. Per another email, hi Rob, I work in the tech industry. A caller asked if the Verizon or AT&T LTE is faster in Chicago. In fact, Verizon will be much faster in Chicago than AT&T LTE service could possibly be there. This is as well as several other cities, such as my own region in Los Angeles. This results from AT&T only controlling 12 megahertz of the lower 700 megahertz spectrum in some areas, allowing them to allocate only 5 megahertz for each uplink and downlink. Verizon paid top dollar for all six regions, and the, the prime upper C block of the 700 megahertz spectrum, giving them a total of at least 22 megahertz nationwide, and thus the ability to universally utilize full 10 megahertz channels. To see what areas AT&T LTE will be inherently slower in, you can refer to the spectrum map, such as those published by PhoneScoop, link in the show notes. Uh, PCMag also did a great story on this topic, using Chicago as their prime example. Verizon was four times faster on the download speeds. Also, AT&T Unlimited iPad plans are not throttled, unlike the smartphone data plans, Personally, I have the AT&T Unlimited plan from the first iPad, and it is, was the only reason I got an AT&T LTE iPad. Regards, Philip K. Hi, Philip. Thanks for the info on LTE and Chicago. Also, um, for clarifying that if you have an unlimited AT&T iPad data plan, you are not being throttled. Seems the few of you out there uh, with that are the lucky few. Thanks for the links, uh, which I will have in the show notes for episode 218 over at todayandios.com. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. On your last episode, you had a caller asking if Tether.com HTML5 web app worked on iOS devices. According to Tether.com's website, it cannot be done, at least yet. 
Currently, you need to install client software on the Target laptop, and there's no way to get that software on an iOS device. However, they say they are working to find a way around this. Uh, hopefully, it will be available in the near future. I hope so. Would be a great feature. Regards, Lou V. Well, thank you, Lou, for that answer. Hi, Rob. This is what I've been planning on making myself, but this is way better than I imagined. This would look great in my 03 Corvette instead of the unused CD player. I think I will order two of these, one for my wife's Nissan Sentra and one for my vet. This has got to be the coolest Kickstarter project for the iPhone yet. Regards, Dan in St. Louis Mo. And Dan is talking about the Kickstarter project called Dash, the smartphone car stereo. And it had a goal of 45000 as I said, had as in the past tense, because they already reached their deadline and they were able to raise 72K, so funding was successful. If you are looking to get a car stereo which integrates your iPhone, check this one out and then contact the guys running it to see about getting on a waiting list. Again, that was called Dash, the smartphone car stereo. For another email, hi Rob. Here is a new Kickstarter project for handheld iOS devices. It is called the Galileo. Regards, Thomas in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Thomas, thanks for the email. I had actually briefly saw the image for this one on Kickstarter when I was looking around for different interesting projects. I skipped over it. But your email got me to take a second look, especially since it has raised over 190k. I figured it must be something better than the image displayed or what I thought it was. And what I thought it was was just another iPhone dock. Looking into it after your email, it is not an iPhone dock at all. Uh, first impressions can be deceiving. In this instance, what the Galileo is, is a holder for your iPhone or iPod Touch that then allows the person at the other end to adjust and move around what the camera is seeing. So if you connect via a video conference, uh, you know, through the eyesight video conference on the iOS device, uh, you can then go ahead and move the other camera to change what it's seeing, what it's pointing at. A perfect example is you're on a business trip and you are trying to video chat with your child at home and he runs off out of the picture. You could now adjust where the iPhone is pointing and track him around the room. They also show it in use at a business meeting where you are teleconferencing in or someone's teleconferencing in and they are scanning around the room. Again, the end user is the person remote from the iPhone or iPod Touch and they are the one who is in control of the Galileo. It really is a neat device and I can see how it's almost at 200K already with 23 days left to go. And yes, that is well above their goal of 100K. Price for one of these is $85. Uh, it's $160 if you want to get two. They list a few different practical uses for this, and I'm sure there are a few that are not so morally responsible uses that they didn't put up there. Yeah, the porn industry is going to be on this like a duck on a Cheeto. Per the specs, the Galileo works with the iPhone 4 and 4S and the iPod Touch 4th Gen. It can be controlled at the remote end by the iPhone 4, 4S, iPad 2, and the third generation iPad, and the iPod Touch 4th Gen, and also via a web browser. And they will release the APIs to developers, so they're going to make this a nice platform that will expand. Clearly, this is one that will get some big-time press in the near future. So kudos to the guys at Motor for coming up with this and for achieving and blowing past their pledge goal. As always, folks, if you get any of these Kickstarter projects that are geared for an iOS device, please call in with your review of those Kickstarter projects when you get them. Switching subjects. What I've been thinking of doing is taking AT&T to small claims court about the unlocking of my iPhone 4, as it is fulfilled its obligation once I upgraded to the iPhone 4S. So it should be my phone free and clear to do with what I want. Yet it is locked down by AT&T and they're unwilling and or they claim they're unable to unlock it. I figure $900 is what it would cost to get the carrier unlocked iPhone 4 32 gig sent to me from Europe. Need to check on that. But that is what I think AT&T owes me for not unlocking the iPhone 4 that I have that is finished its obligation with AT&T. 
Of course, if you go to AT&T, they will tell you they cannot unlock it because Apple and their agreement with Apple. BS. Plain and simple BS. How do we know it's BS? Well, Tim Cook recently had to step in and help a former AT&T customer get his iPhone unlocked so he could use it in Canada after he moved there from the U.S. Who knows what will happen uh, in small claim court? It just seems like BS that I can't use my iPhone how I see fit. And now that it has served out its sentence locked on AT&T per my agreement with AT&T, I really should be able to use it as I see fit. Let's see how this turns out. Thanks, Stephen W., for this next one, which is about another one of those security vulnerabilities in iOS. This time it is with iOS 5.1, and it is per address bar spoofing in Safari, which means a rogue site could set it up so that you think you are on a specific site, say your bank, when really you are on their site, which means you could give private info like, say, the account name and password to your online banking account which in the hands of Russian hackers, well, that's not a good thing for you. Are there any known uses of said vulnerability in the wild? No, just a demo site put up by the security expert that discovered the issue. Expect this also to be addressed in the future update of iOS 5.1. In the meantime, only manually type in the addresses for important and critical sites you do any financial dealings with. As always, be careful with links from any emails sent to you. And by careful, I mean never click on links from emails you were not expecting, which is basic Internet 101, really. Back to the email bag. Hi, Rob. I've had a lot of difficulty searching for app tools with an S, which I now learn is app tools with a Z. I drive a truck and have very little time to read websites. As a favor to those like me, can you quickly spell out things, especially when there is an odd spelling? Makes life a lot easier at 65 miles per hour with a very large truck underneath you. It is kind of difficult to jot down notes. Thanks, Gary and Boise. Hi, Gary. Actually, did spell that out on the first episode. I mentioned that, but I did not spell it out after that. That said, there are show notes for each episode at todayinios.com, and at the bottom of the show notes are links for each app I mentioned in that episode. If you have the TI app, you can find the, those links at the bottom of the link list in the extras for that episode. That is the little E on the episode page in the app, not the actual, you know, extra section. And uh, don't get me going on that. I know it is a dumb place for the extras. I'm working to get that back into the extra tab. Speaking of which, uh, there is a new version of the TII app available for download. It fixes some bug issues. For those that don't have the TI app, just search for TII in the App Store. It is just $2.99, and it is the best way to consume the TII podcast. And, of course, you get push notifications letting you know whenever there's breaking news or new episodes out. Back into the email bag. Hi, Rob. Just a heads up that if your iPhone is jailbroken, you cannot update over the air. I found that out when iOS 5.1 came out, and I decided to forego the jailbreak and update I had to update via iTunes. The OTA update would download everything and then it would fail when it tried to install. Regards, Myron Yu. Hi, Myron. Thanks for the heads up on that. I had not yet tried updating any of my jailbroken iOS devices via the over-the-air update. Per an email I received from Oscar, folks, if you get a text message that offers you to be a beta tester for a new, unannounced, and unreleased iOS device? Um, yeah, that's a scam. Apple never, ever, ever uses beta testers that do not specifically work for Apple. So no, that random unsolicited text message is not going to get you a free iPhone 5 or iPhone 6 or iPhone 2012. It will likely get you to be parting with some of your hard-earned money and personal info. So run away, run away when you see anything like that. Hi, Rob. I created a tutorial for Photoshop Touch. I created this for beginners who want to know how to use Photoshop and take them through creating an image regards Ben. Hi, Ben. Thanks for the link to the tutorial, which is in the show notes for episode 218 over today in iOS.com. Link for the one titled... Photoshop Touch Intro, iOS Stuff and Reviews. 
thanks to Tash for this next one, which is about the app Draw Something, which has become quite a popular game of late. Well, with that popularity came a 200 million buyout by Zenga. Well, actually, Zenga purchased, acquired OMG Pop, the maker of the game Draw Something, but Potato, Potato, really the same thing. Well, I, I guess by acquiring OMG Pop, they also get the 40 employees as well. Per the game, draw something. In six weeks since it hit the App Store, it has 35 million downloads. That is actually combined for iTunes and Android App Store. So congrats and kudos to the folks at OMG Pop. Sticking with the one company acquires another in the iOS space theme, I received an email from Juka Makinin. Sorry if I killed your name there. Anyway, Juka is the CEO of Futuremark Games, makers of Hungrables, and Juka wrote to let me know that they had just been acquired by Rovio Entertainment, makers, of course, of Angry Birds. Congrats, Juka. Thanks to Tash for this next one, and this is with regards to iOS adoption for new versions. iOS 5.1, since it was launched on March 7th, has had about 61% adoption rate. So from March 7th to the 21st, over 60% of iOS owners updated to the latest and greatest version of iOS. 18% stayed at iOS 5.0.1, probably many of them being ones that are jailbroken. And 19% were at iOS 4.x version, likely because they are either unlocked or they cannot upgrade to the new version. Uh, to put the 61% number in perspective, on Android, only 1.2% of Android users are upgraded to Ice Cream Sandwich version 4.0.3, which is or was made available back in December. Heck, only 1.6% total of Android users overall are at any of the three versions of Ice Cream Sandwich, which was launched about five months ago. Do you see the issue for devs here? 61% versus 1.2% running the latest and greatest versions of iOS and Android, respectively. Which one do you want to develop for? Just saying. Sticking with the competitors to iOS theme, recently there was a job posting over at Research in Motion seeking developers familiar with iOS, which sent the bloggers off trying to come up with good reasons for this. Well, John P. over at All Things D came up with the reason for this, and that is Rem announced a product called BlackBerry Mobile Fusion uh, a few months back, which is supposed to offer support for managing iOS and Android devices as well as BlackBerry devices. Seems RIM confirmed they will be developing an iOS native client that will work with this service. Hey Rob, this is John from Albuquerque, New Mexico. And I was just calling in. I had remembered hearing that you said that you had lost about 80 pounds. And in the last segment, I think I heard you saying that you did a lot of uh, Netflix. And I assumed that would be probably on the treadmill. Anyway, I've been meaning to ask you, uh, you know, I'm a larger guy and looking to lose weight and wondered if there was any apps that you used along the way uh, that kind of helped you out in that process or just how it went. And if you also knew of a, a clip or a, some sort of universal mount for a treadmill so that you could hold your iPad. Got the iPad 3 and I'm loving the new retinal screen. So just thought I'd throw that out there and see if you maybe would do like a little bundled uh, weight loss weight loss tips or apps or all the above. Thanks a lot, Rob, and enjoy every minute of your show. Thanks. Hi, John. Thanks for the voicemail. And actually, I went from a peak of 240 to a low of 183. So I lost 57 pounds from my peak. Right now, I'm bouncing around right about 188, give or take a couple pounds. So holding good for the last, oh, I don't know, four or five months, whatever it is, since October when I got down to that 180, a little below 185 mark. Anyway, how I did it. No, I didn't use any apps. You know, when I was starting out early, I was looking at some apps where you track weight and things, and I'm just too darn lazy to do that. And I just decided that I was just going to, you know, bite the bullet and not eat food and ice cream, you know, that stuff, the bad stuff. And I was going to hit the treadmill 
once a day, uh, every day during the week or in a, you know, on the weekend where possible and doing an hour, 40 minutes to an hour and watch something on Netflix per a stand for holding the iPad. I actually bought, um, I shouldn't say treadmill, bike. I use a bike, an encumbered bike. And I picked an encumbered bike that had a stand where the iPad would fit. So I, I picked one out that already had a stand built in place that would work for my iPad. There are some stands out there that go on the floor and mount it and you can move it around that if you don't have um, um, a device or uh, or stand on your uh, treadmill or bike or whatever it is that you're going to be working out on, uh, you can look for those and maybe we can talk about those. And of course, uh, we can also talk about some apps that other people have used. So if you've lost weight and you've used an iOS device and an app to help you lose that weight, let us know which apps you did use. Again, I didn't use any apps. Uh, I just said... I'm going to work out. And that was basically what I did. And I didn't really track anything. I just said every day I'm going to take an hour either at night or very first thing when I first got up in the morning and I'm going to get on my incumbent bike and I'm going to do 40 minutes to an hour, actually usually 44 minutes to an hour whether I was watching an episode uh, from a TV show or watching one of the Netflix movies, in which case I I use my computer to watch it. Um, But a lot of the Netflix movies I did use on the iPad. And I should also throw out a little um, plug in there for Hulu Plus. I did use Hulu Plus as well. Into the email bag we go. Hey Rob, I have a question I'm hoping you or maybe your audience can help me with. I play guitar and sing for a band. I would like to purchase an app with which I can organize and display song lyrics and chords since I have a list of more than 100 songs. I've researched on song and deep dish gig band but I'm not sure which to get, if any of those. Regards, Eddie. Hi, Eddie. For this one, I'm going to send out the request to anyone in the audience that is in a band and has found an app that will do what Eddie is looking for. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOON-DOG. Back to the email Hey, Rob. It seems there is a growing number of people that have the same problem as I now have after updating my iPhone 4S as well as my iPad 2 using the -the over-the-air update to go to iOS 5.1. Here's the problem. When downloading anything from Apple, whether it's music from iCloud, from your iMatch account, or updating apps or purchasing new apps, they get stuck waiting. It takes hours and sometimes days for anything to do a complete download. There is a growing number of people with the same exact problem, and he gives a link to a um, discussion forum over on Apple. The consensus after reading 14 pages on the topic was that the over-the-air update messed something up and doing a full iOS download, the 800 megabyte version of the download, and restoring fresh was the only thing that was fixing it. I decided to just try a restore from backup to see if that does anything. 30 minutes later, the iPad is back to normal. And 10 minutes after that, the iPhone is back to normal. I can confirm both my iOS 5.1 devices are now functioning properly when it comes to purchasing songs, apps, or updating uh, apps. Hope this helps some of the listeners. Regards, Brad. Brad, thanks for the heads up on that issue. Into the email bag we go again. Hi, Rob. I have a small business that makes electronics I'm looking for an app developer company that I can hire to make an app for one of my products. My product plugs into a vehicles and logs data. It then plugs USB onto a PC uh, only right now, Mac coming in the future, and shows the data and charts to the user. I want a dev that can do an app and make the product plug into something uh, to the camera connection kit and read the data on the iPad or iPhone. Any ideas on a good dev that knows how to tap into the hardware integration through the USB on the camera connection kit? Regards, Drew K. Drew, one of the oldest app devs out there for iOS devices is Polar Bear Farm. They were doing app dev work in the summer of 2007, so you might contact them. Just Google Polar Bear Farm and iOS and you'll find them. But if there are any devs listening that would like an intro to Drew, please send me an email and I will hook you up with him. Send that email, of course, to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. It's Laura in Nashville. Um, calling to thank you for the plug on the show and um, asking everybody to vote for me. I really appreciate the support of the um, 
today in Asheville and crowd. You guys have been really great throughout this whole thing, and I'm super appreciative and really hoping to to make a big break uh, soon. And I'm hoping also to have prototypes of a new case to send in uh, for a giveaway soon. So I'll keep you posted on that. I was calling today to ask um, if you or any of the listeners, and I know you guys are going to say no, but I'm hoping you know something, uh, a way or an app to close all my open apps at once rather than having to bring up my dock and close out 45 things in, at one time. And doing that a lot lately because of the battery life issue and just hoping there's a quicker, easier way to do that. So anyway, thanks. Hope you guys have some help out there for me. Bye. Hi, Laura. Yes, there is a jailbreak app that will allow you to close out all the open apps. And no, I can't find the name for you. I just searched and searched, and I can't remember what it is. I think we mentioned it on a previous show, and I couldn't find it in the show notes, and I couldn't find it in Cydia. So if anyone out there remembers the name of the app in Cydia that does a force quit on all open apps, please let us know. Give us a call, 206-666-6364. That's 206-MOONDOG. Or send us an email to todayinios at gmail.com. Hi, Rob. This is Dexter with Podcast Tech Fixation. Just calling in regards to your listener who's had a question about iTunes Match. Um, Recently with version 5.1, they've enabled a data on-off switch for your iTunes Match. Basically, you can turn it off so that it will only download new songs automatically over Wi-Fi, and then if you're on data, it doesn't do that. It'll just go ahead and skip over those songs to... um, I guess make it easier for you so that you're not worried about that. That works really well for me because I was constantly going back and forth, turning off whether or not I saw all my songs or just the ones downloaded on my iPhone. Uh, Works really well. And then if there's a song in particular you want to just download, you can click on the the cloud button right next to the song and you'll download that one. But you have to manually go out of your way to download that song instead of it doing it automatically for you and using all your data. Thanks for, the, thanks for the good work, and keep it up. Love your show. Bye. Hey, Rob, it's Dave again. Let's try this for the second time. Uh, sitting on the New Jersey Turnpike in mega traffic, thought I'd call in and answer the question about iTunes Match. Uh, I believe it was show 217. Been using iTunes Match since uh, it was introduced the same day. It's greatly improved, working much better. Uh, once you set it up on your uh, home computer, uh, in my case a Mac, uh, everything goes up to the cloud. You go into your iPhone, uh, iTunes settings, and turn on iTunes Match, making sure you use the same um, email address that you use on the uh, on your home Mac. It will um, set up all the uh, menus, I guess you would call it, all the tunes in, in your um, iPhone. Nothing is on the iPhone at that point. I had erased every all the music off the iPhone when I set it up, so it was blank. So I depend on 3G. Uh, and I have access to my 60 gigs of mu- uh, music at all the time or, or Wi-Fi. If you do want to have some music on your phone, what you would do at that point is next to the name of the song, there's a little button, just download it, and it will download to your phone. I suggest you do that while you're in Wi-Fi, otherwise you're going to be using up those precious, precious, unlimited, but slightly limited AT&T data units. Hope everything is well. Thanks for the great show. Uh, loving the new iPad. Wife wasn't too happy in the beginning, but uh, we're digging it now. So I got the old iPad, I guess, one, and she has now the iPad. Be well. Peace out. Hi, Rob. This is Brian from Ventura, California. I had a question for you or your listeners. Um, my wife likes to watch um, movies and TV shows off of a uh, Polish website called uh, Polovizjar. And... Um, she currently watches them on her PC through Windows Explorer only. It doesn't work on Firefox or um, any of the other browsers, Chrome. It only specifically works on um, Windows Explorer. And she's trying to, you know, she would like to watch it on an iPad or an iPhone. So uh, I wanted to find out if any of your listeners knew of uh, a jailbreak or an app that uh, lets you, you know, um, download. RM files, real media, and watch them on a uh, iDevice. Any help would be greatly appreciated. I've already tried a few avenues and uh, came up with uh, no luck, so would appreciate it, man. Love your show. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Hi, Brian. Thanks for listening and for the question. There is a jailbreak app called M Player, 
which is a movie player which supports real media files. So you might want to look at that if your iOS device is jailbroken. And then, of course, there's the VLC media player, which will also play real media files, I believe. And that one used to be on the App Store, but then was yanked, and now it's on the Cydia side as well. If anyone else out there knows of any other ways to play real media files, especially for a non-jailbroken app, please let us know. Before we wrap things up, I want to thank our sponsor today, and that again was Hover. If you go to tii.hover.com, that's tii.hover.com, you can save 10% on your domain name registrations. And then once you have a domain name, you can go ahead and save 25% on getting custom email for said domain. Just use the promo code TIIMAIL, T-I-I-M-A-I-L, and save 25% on your custom email. So thanks, Hover, for supporting this show. As always, if you have any tips, tricks, questions, comments, feedback, reviews, anything you'd like to share with the audience, give us a call, 206-666-6364, that's 206-MOONDOG, or send an email to us at todayinios at gmail.com. Until the next time, I'm your host Rob from Today in iOS, reminding you to phone different. This show is hosted on Libsyn.com and part of the Wizard Media Network. If you are looking for hosting, go to Libsyn.com, that's L-I-B-S-Y-N.com, for hosting for your podcast and for creation of your own smartphone app. The Today in iOS podcast can also be found on the free Stitcher radio app. Just search for T-I-I.